Welcome to the Every Nation Rosebank Church Podcast. At our church, we honor God, make disciples, and transform nations. For more information about our church, visit everynationrosebank.org and don't forget to subscribe. Amen. Yes. <laughs> Let's give Julius a hand. <laughs> so this is Pastor Julius, for those of you who don't know him. He heads up our Brampentine Every Nation. And I was thinking about how to introduce you, Julius. And, you know, we always do that standard, like, you know, thing. But I found, I found like, two words that I know about you to be true. is passion and faithfulness. And Julius is passionate about the kingdom of God. He's passionate about forwarding the kingdom of God. He's passionate about music. He's passionate about rap songs and writing like real songs for, for Christians to live by, you know. And he's done great work. You can check him out on YouTube and other places. You can even tell us where to go look. You can push yourself a bit, okay. And he's faithful. I've watched this man really just trust the Lord in difficult times, in good times. And I've watched how God has come through for him. And I've watched you grow, my friend. It's just amazing. And so please open your hearts tonight because you are going to be blessed by what Julius has to say. So let's welcome him again. God bless you. Can you hear me? There we are. This is so cool. I have never preached with a, what do we even call this? <laughs> this is so fun. Wow. I am so excited to be here with you guys. Amen. Forgive me, I've lost my voice. We've been praying all day, praying all weekend. We are doing 40 days of prayer as a church. So I, I had to preserve a little bit of my voice to come and speak to you guys tonight. How are you guys feeling tonight? Is everybody good? Amen, amen, amen. You know, it's, it's so tricky when, you know, when, when Greg was speaking, because he's, he's so prophetic, and whenever a prophet is speaking to you, I could feel like that prophetic thing already coming. I was like, Lord, <laughs> I could feel that. Did you feel that? Amen, amen. Now, before I even get into the Word, shucks, I only have 27 minutes. Oh, my word. I'm used to preaching like two hours. What are we going to do? <laughs> um, before I even get into it, I, th this, is, this is the first church uh, I was ever part of. This is the only church I've ever been a part of. I can, I can see myself uh, praying on my knees on the floor there. I can see myself sitting with my lady who I was courting, who is now my wife there. I can see myself jumping and singing and dancing over here. I can see myself sitting in corners, talking to different leaders who have come over the years. I can see myself all over this place, and it's, it's so good to be home with family, amen? Uh, this is such a wonderful place, and I, I wish Greg was here, or the leaders, just to, just to thank them for all they have done over the years to shape people like me, people like you, people like so many of us who have been, a, who have been benefiting from what this house is sowing. Amen? And I just wanted to give a big, um, what's the word, public thank you before getting in the word. Amen. Now, I don't have much time. My seat's already 26 minutes. So I am going to do my best to get through this word. Let's go to Luke 10. From verse 25 to verse 37. I'm going to read to you a very familiar passage of scripture called the, the, the parable of the Good Samaritan. And I'm trusting that as we go into this text that the Lord is going to allow us to be able to, to see some new insights, to, to draw some refreshing water even from an ancient well, amen, uh, that we'd be able to still receive something from God even from a well-known story. So let's, let's go in. Verse 25 says this. 
On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Well, what is written in the law, Jesus replied. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. Well, you have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, well, who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, well, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of all his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The expert of the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Father, I ask for your grace as we speak today, dear Lord. I pray that you would speak. I pray that you would go where I can't. I pray that you would say what I can't, dear Lord. I pray that you would do what I can't. Father, speak to your people. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen, amen. amen. Now, Jesus in his typical fashion is being challenged and tested by the Pharisees and the experts and the critics of his day. And in his typical fashion, uh, he always has the right thing to say. Because Jesus is a genius, amen? Jesus is a G, hallelujah. And he, I, I start off there just to remind us that as Jesus followers, we should not be surprised when the critics of our day are challenging the convictions that we stand for, are asking us the questions. There's so many questions in our society, and I pray that when they, when they come to you asking and testing, that you too will have a godly word to give to the question of our day. Amen? And so he, Jesus doesn't just speak, he doesn't just answer the question, he doesn't just respond to the question, he responds with a question. And what this does, this, this allows Jesus to see where is this man's heart? Where is this man coming from? Where does he stand on the very question that he asked, right? Because the man asked, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Which is the very same as asking, what do I need to do to get saved? Or what do I need to do to be a Christian? And so the man says, all I need to do, he answers his own question. He says, I need to love the Lord with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my strength, with all my mind. And I've got to take a moment just to remind us that, yes, that's what we're supposed to be. Amen? 
We're supposed to love God with everything that we've got. And I just wonder if there's anybody here tonight who would say, I have decided to love the Lord with every single thing that I've got. Amen? (laughs) If there's anybody here, just shout everything. Okay, okay, okay. We've got a few people here, amen? It's glad to be with a little bit of family, amen? So he answers and he says, well, I've got to love God with everything and I've got to love my neighbor as myself. Jesus says, yeah, that's a good thing. You've answered rightly. (laughs) And then he asks, okay, well then, who is my neighbor? Now let me show you what's going on here. The first part of that, loving the Lord with all my heart, all my soul, all of that, he, he obviously feels like he can do that. I think he's a little bit delusional, but he obviously feels like, yeah, I've got this. But the second part of loving your neighbor as yourself, that part, that part got him. That part challenged him. Because the first part is about your personal relationship with God. But the second part has to do with how you treat people. The first part has to do with this invisible thing that you have with God, and maybe nobody can even see or even judge, but, judge that. But that second part has to do with how you apply this faith that you say that you have. Because the Bible does say, if you say that you love this Lord who you can't see, how can you say, how could you treat your brother who you can't, who you can't see without any love? Amen? So, that second part is slightly more demanding for him. And so he says, who is my neighbor? What he's trying to do here, he's trying to justify himself. He's trying to find a legitimate reason for, in fact, let me say it differently. If I can find who I'm obligated to love, I'm obligated to care for this group of people. I can take care of this circle of friends. Uh, Family first. If that's who I'm responsible for, God, then it also allows me to legitimately ignore this group of people. So he's trying to justify neglect. He's trying to allow himself a way out that if I only have to care for my family, that's great. Then I actually don't have to. So who is my neighbor? Who am I responsible for? Now, this is the question that prompts the story. So Jesus starts the story. He says, a certain man was coming from Jericho going to Jerusalem. And this man was beaten down. He, caught, he fell into the hands of robbers and they beat him. They stripped him. They took almost everything. And as he lay there on the floor, here comes the priest. The priest passes by. Here comes the Levite. The Levite passes by. And the Samaritan stops. You know the story. Now, the first thing I want to speak to you about is compassion and justice. Hmm. There's a character in this story that we hardly ever speak about. We speak about the priest, we speak about the Levite, we speak about the Samaritan, we speak about uh, Jesus, we speak about about a, a whole bunch of things, but there's a character here that I'm hoping we can expose tonight. Amen? Compassion has to do with bandaging the wounds, has to do with helping the person who's broken, has to do uh, with, with helping the poor. That's compassion. 
But there's another character that needs to be addressed. Yes, we must do compassion, but somebody has to address the thief. Somebody has to address the crime. Somebody has to address the dark figure that somebody has to deal with the thing that caused the man to be broken and bruised on the floor. Amen. And if we don't deal with the justice side of things, next week there's going to be another Jew broken on the street. Next week there's going to be another person raped. Next week there's going to be another person in need. Next week, God forbid, it could be you or it could be me. So what compassion and justice does, actually, it helps, it helps all of us. I'm actually protecting myself when I'm dealing with issues of justice. So we always speak about compassion, compassion, but I want to say to you, first point, compassion must be coupled with justice. Compassion must be followed with justice. We can't just deal with the guy who's broken. We've got to deal with the thing that caused the thing. Amen? Now, when I started out in ministry, I, I, I felt like the Lord was calling me to serve the poor and so I stepped out, and in fact, what had happened is I, I was, I was in, in campus ministry, and at that stage, you were making disciples of, of businessmen, disciples of, uh, of, of um, uh, sportsmen. I forgot what we called that ministry at that time. We were making disciples of everybody, but nobody was making disciples of the homeless. And so I went to Pastor Temba. I said, Temba, I think we need to also be making disciples of the poor. And Temba, in his wise old way, said to me, like most leaders will say, well, if God is giving you that burden, then it probably means that it's you. (laughs) And I would even say the same to you. If you have a burden, it probably means that it's you. Amen? Away with the days where we come and tell Greg what we should do as a church. We come and tell Pastor Roger, the church needs to do this. The church needs to do that. Guess who the church is? Somebody shout me. <laughs> Amen. So he, he said, you know what? It's probably you. So I stepped out and didn't know anything to do about ministry, but I started evangelizing. Started ministering. Guys started getting saved. All kinds of things started happening. And then I realized these disciples, these disciples need food. These disciples, these disciples need clothes. These disciples, these disciples need a place to stay. I can't just preach the gospel. I've also got to deal with clothing. And so I started getting into that. I went to go sleep on the street for several days with the guys just to feel what it feels like to be on the street. <laughs> some of the guys, I mean, who, some of the guys were here when we started. Anybody that was in that Urban Vision ministry, a couple of you guys, that's so good, amen? And so we, we went out, we did all kinds of things, and guys got jobs, beautiful things happened. In the midst of that, I met a young man by the name of Charlie. Charlie, are you in the house? <laughs> Charlie, Charlie's a part of this congregation. Some of you know him. He helps with the grounds. He's, I'm not sure the exact position he has in the church, but just stand up for a second so the guys can know that I'm telling the truth. Amen. <laughs> now, now, Charlie was in our program. Smart young guy, strong young guy. I could help him with food. I could help him with some clothes. I could, I could help disciple him, but there was an issue he had I couldn't fix. And I'm going to say this issue, and it's going to sound so simple, but for some reason we couldn't fix it. Charlie didn't have an ID. (laughs) 
Now just imagine, he was on news the other day, but just imagine not being able to have an ID. What that means is you couldn't get a driver's license. What that means is there's certain shelters that you couldn't get access to. What that means is that there's certain jobs that you couldn't get because you couldn't apply because you don't have an ID. Suddenly, Charlie was locked out of certain benefits as a South African citizen. As a born and bred South African citizen, he could not access the South African benefits because he couldn't prove by identity that he was South African. And so for years and years, Charlie had to stay on the street. Until one day, counselors and lawyers and people in the system could do what I could not do. They could help Charlie get an ID. And last week, November the 1st, Charlie got to vote for the first time. Amen? <laughs> Amen? I mean, imagine that. Not, just not being able to even choose your leaders. Because you're locked out. What I'm trying to say to you is compassion must be coupled with justice. We can't just give the food. We can't just do the, the healing of the wounds. Somebody has to deal with the system. Somebody has to deal with the courts. Somebody has to deal with the education. So yes, let's go and feed the hungry. But can some of us also go deal with the policies that allow for hunger to exist? Yes, let's go and help the sick in the hospital. But can somebody also go and deal with healthcare in government? Can somebody also go deal with medical, medical aid issues? Let's, let's go help people in the felt needs. Some of you here need to help with that. But some of you here, God is gracing you to deal in the courts. I am praying that from this church, there will be justice warriors that will rise up from this church and go into parliament and go into the courts and couple compassion and justice. Are any of you in this church? Amen. Amen. So number one, compassion must be coupled with justice. We don't just give food. We have to deal with the issues that are causing the poverty. Now, huh, second thing I want to discuss a little bit is compassion and prejudice. Now, this man, most scholars would say he's Jew. And this Jewish man, he has been beaten. He has been broken. Uh, he's been robbed. He's on the floor. Uh, and if you think about it, as Jesus tells the story, he doesn't put the Jew in the position of power. He puts the Jew in the position of weakness. He doesn't put the Jew on the high horse. He puts the Jew on the dirty floor. Because it's one thing to speak about compassion and justice when you're in the position of power, when you're on the high horse, when, when you have the funds to help. It's one thing to talk about compassion when you're in the position to give the compassion. It's a whole other conversation to speak about the compassion when you're in the position of need, when you're in the position of, of weakness, when you're on that dirty floor. So he puts the Jew in the story on the dirty floor. What Jesus is doing here, he's basically given us an illustrative story to teach one basic principle. Do unto others as you want them to do unto you. Amen? You don't, you know this thing, you felt it, but you, it, you've never felt it as much until you're on the dirty floor. When you're on the dirty floor and you think about what would I want them to do to me if I'm broken? If I'm robbed, so if you've got that in mind, now do unto others 
as you want them to do unto you. Amen? Now, picture with me this Jew on the floor. He's, he's lying there half dead. And as he's lying there, he hears the footsteps coming down the road, thinking, okay, okay, maybe this person is going to help me. And he comes and he sees it's Pastor Greg. Okay, there's the pastor. And he looks at the pastor and the pastor comes down and the pastor walks on the other side. <laughs> that, this is why this is a story. It wouldn't happen in real life. <laughs> but, but in the reality is, imagine the disappointment he's feeling on that floor. Imagine what it feels like to, to believe that your help is coming, that somebody, that your people are coming and they could help you and they pass on by. The person you thought would help you. Have you, have you ever been disappointed by somebody you thought would help you? That, that's what he's feeling. My priest came and my priest walked by. There's a group of people in our society who are crying out right now because they expected the church to help. Church walked by. Amen? And so he's lying there. And then he hears, okay, here's another guy. Here's another guy. He's, he's coming. He hears the footsteps. He's, he's half dead. He's, he's one, is this delusional? Is this coming? Okay, then he sees, oh, there's a Levite. Oh, wonderful. And he looks at him, and as he's coming, the guy walks by. I want you to feel the disappointment. I want you to feel what he's feeling on that dirty floor as he's needing the help. Amen? And then he hears this third person. And this third person, all of that to set up for the third guy. <laughs> this third person, the Samaritan, now to give you some context, the Jews and the Samaritans, not friends. Jews and Samaritans, we don't get along. Jews and Samaritans, we don't even eat together. Jews and Samaritans, we don't even visit each other's houses. And yet, while he's on the floor, it's the Samaritan. It's the person who he may not have even helped, who, who he may not have even eaten with. I want you to feel what it feels like when somebody you would not have even helped ends up helping you. What does that feel like? Just imagine him coming down, bandaging. Look, what, what does his eyes look like as he's looking at this Samaritan doing the thing, putting him on the horse? I wonder what he's thinking. My second point to you is compassion engages our prejudice. Compassion challenges our prejudices. As this Samaritan that he would not even eat with is the unexpected help in his situation. Now, to illustrate this a little bit better, I have a friend, a close friend, close friend of mine. She is about black women first. If there was a party last week that was called Black Women First, that's where she's voting. I don't know if I have any other black women first here, people in the room, amen? I got a few of you, and I got a few more of you, but you don't want to raise your hand. You're wondering where I'm going with this. It's okay, it's okay, it's okay. <laughs> We're in a safe place, amen? Very close friend of mine. She's about black women first. And in her industry, she's about black women empowerment. She's about black women protection. She's about creating spaces to develop black women. And so a few weeks ago, she was trying to, to do some things that would allow her career to go a little bit further. 
And as she's looking for mentors, looking for help, all of her black sisters said, we can't help you. Said, we can't mentor you. Said, I don't have time. Walking on the other side. Listen, let's, let's talk another time. And as she kept asking people, guess who the person that came to help her was? An old white man. Ah, I don't even know why you're clapping at that, but hey, I love the claps. Go ahead. <laughs> An old white man. And so she posts this and she says, my sisters, why is it that we don't help each other? Why is it that we talk about black women first, but then when we're in the positions to do something, we don't help each other? And she says, even my black brothers, where were you? Why is it that this, she didn't even mention the name, but you can see she's dealing. <laughs> Are you hearing me? You can see she's, because compassion is, is engaging her prejudice. Because the person she wouldn't have even wanted to help her, wouldn't have expected to help her, wouldn't have even wanted to be in the same room with is the very person who said, hey, I see you need some help. Let me help you out. And she's, ah, she doesn't want it, but she knows she needs it. <laughs> so she receives it, and she's been helped. Amen. Compassion engages our prejudice. I step into places as a young black pastor, and there's people out there who don't want to have anything to do with me. The moment they hear you're a young black pastor, sell out, brainwashed, all kinds of things. And I, I, I can't take responsibility for your, your uh, thinking of me. I really can't. It's too much. <laughs> it's too much for me to handle, amen? Because of, of where you've been and what you think a pastor is, now when you see this pastor, you think, I'm going to be like that pastor. I can't handle that. But what I can do is in your moment of need, I can show you compassion. Whatever you think about me, in, your mo in the hope that you might say, you know what? I don't like Christians, actually, but, but that guy, when I needed some help, he helped me out. Does that make sense? May it be, I guess what I'm trying to say to you with this point is whether people like you or not, whether people agree with you or not, whatever your race is, whatever your gender is, wherever you come from, whatever it is, I'm telling you now, compassion will engage people's prejudices. Don't wait for them to like you. Just go love them. Just go love them. Just go love them. And as you love them, whether they like you or not, they walk away dealing with this thing like, ah, I don't want to like them. But they help me. <laughs> Does that make sense? So number two, compassion engages our prejudice. Whew, I got three minutes. Can you imagine? How do you do this? <laughs> I'll go. Thank you. Praise the Lord. Amen. I'll just do 10 minutes longer maybe. Number three, because <laughs> it's a dangerous thing to say that. <laughs> Amen. Number three, compassion Compassion must be followed by action. So one, compassion must be coupled with justice. Two, compassion engages our prejudice. Three, compassion must be followed by action. This story could have gone very differently. It could have said, okay, the Samaritan came and he felt pity and he felt compassionate. And he said, man, this is terrible. And he walked right by. 
it could have ended in the realm of emotion. Because I feel bad about the situation. Oh, that's such a tough thing. And walked on by. But biblical compassion is not just about emotion. Biblical compassion leads to action. So that thing that you're dealing with, that burden that you have, what are you doing about it? <laughs> what, are you, what are you actually doing about it? So this Samaritan, he comes in and he sees the guy. And he stops and he bandages him and he gets involved in that situation. Very quickly, since we don't have much time, I want to say to you, I know you can't help everybody. Of course not. Who is my neighbor is the question, right? I know you can't help everybody. But you know who you can help? You can help the people that you see on your Jericho Road. You can help the people that you see on your pathway. So let me ask you that question. What do you see on your Jericho Road? What are you seeing in the city? And that thing, not, don't just see it, but can you get involved? Amen? Uh, if the webs were here, we talk about the webs since it's Orphan Sunday. Uh, they saw uh, orphanage, uh, orphan, the need of orphans around the world, and they got involved. Uh, a few years ago in 2008 when the xenophobia thing broke out, we saw all that was going on and we didn't just cry about it and pray about it, we got involved. And we built CRT and we started doing a bunch of things and there's a bunch of people in this room that, that have actually done a few things and I'm asking all of you because there's so many needs out there. What do you see? It's not just limited to the havens, it's not just limited to CRT, it's not just limited to the few programs that we do. What do you see? Amen. Right now, in my city, uh, or in Bromfontein, rather, in my corner of our city, uh, I'm seeing human trafficking. That's a problem. And we got to get involved. I am seeing suicides of students in Bromfontein. we got to get involved. <laughs> like, church... We gotta get involved. I'm, I'm seeing mental illness at a rate I've never seen before. What do you see? What do you see? Are you seeing poverty? Let me, let me close off this point saying this. Next time you see an issue, I wanna ask you, don't close your heart. Can you lean in? Don't protect your heart from the pain. Can you allow your heart to to lean into the pain, that you feel it, and that you ask God, okay, God, how can I get involved? What can I do? When a child falls down in a latrine somewhere and we read about it in the paper, God, this shouldn't happen. Is there anything that I can do? Amen? And compassion must be coupled huh, with action. Now, Here's where it gets challenging. That's exactly where it gets challenging. My fourth point, compassion is going to cost us. This is why we don't get involved, because it's going to cost us. Can I get an amen? Amen. <laughs> amen? It, it costs us. So look at the Samaritan. It, he, his whole day, his whole itinerary had to change because somebody was hurting. 
<laughs> his, the, the other guys, probably they had found a legitimate reason, a religious reason. I've got an agenda. I've got something to do. There was something that justified them leaving the guy on the floor. Remember the question. But the Samaritan said, man, you know what? I can't just move. I've got to do something. It cost him his time. It cost him his energy. Now, he's, now he was on his donkey. Now he has to walk next to the donkey. It's like, man, I've got my car. Now I've got to take all of these people in the car. Oh, my gosh. I could have got there faster, but I've got to pick all these people up. <laughs> he's walking now. He gets to the, the inn. It cost him his money. It cost him a lot. Compassion is going to cost us. But here's the last thing. Oh, man, that verse. He says to him, he pays his own money. And then he says to the innkeeper, he says to him, listen, if it costs you anything extra, when I come back, I will reimburse you. I love that. I love that. If it costs you anything extra, when I come back, I will reimburse you. And here's what I feel and I hear the Lord saying. You've been helping people. You, you, you've been getting involved in different things and you have people that you're thinking about getting involved with. And if you get involved and it costs you more than you expected, charge it to me. Amen? If it costs you more time than you expected, charge it to me. If it costs you more money than you expected, charge it to me. If it costs you more energy and more whatever than you expect, charge it to me. And when I come back, I will reimburse you. Amen? That's what Jesus is saying. He says, if you, him who lends to the poor lends to the Lord, and the Lord will pay him back. Amen? So I know some of us are going to say, okay, maybe let me get involved. And you're going to get involved in some things. And I'm guaranteeing you now, it is going to cost you, and it's going to cost you more. That's why he says it even before he leaves. He knows it's going to cost more. And so he puts that thing out there saying, hey, if it costs you more than you expected, charge it to Jesus. And when he comes back, he will reimburse you. Amen? Now let me just remind you as I start to wrap up, the people that we are trying to help, Sometimes you try to help somebody, like right now I've got somebody in my house who came in in the, mid, in the middle of lockdown. I thank God you're not recording this because he, he doesn't need to know that I'm saying this in public. Amen. <laughs> he came in and it was supposed to be for one week. It's been two years. It's been two years. I'm dealing with this clearly very publicly. Amen. But charge it to Jesus. It's costing me way more than I expected. <laughs> He's still there without a job, and he could get a job, and there's all kinds of things, that I, and we're working on stuff, and I, I could tell him to go. He's got nowhere else to go. So what do I do? Am I stuck, or am I in a ministry doing something to help somebody? Amen? And a second reminder is these people that we're helping, Listen, nobody wants to be poor. Nobody wants to be broken. Nobody wants to have mental health issues. This guy that's at the inn, let me remind you, somebody robbed him. Something was stolen from him. The people that God brings into this church, they, 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 they would love to be well. 
They, they would love to just not have the issues. They would love to not need you. But something stole from them. Something robbed them. And we are coming in to, to help fix something that happened that should have never happened. Amen? And all God is saying is if it costs you more than you expected, charge it to me and I will reimburse you. Amen? So let me close off with this. This Samaritan is a picture of Jesus. Ha, ha. This Samaritan, what does the Samaritan do? He saves his life. What does the Samaritan do? He, he bandages and he heals him. What does the Samaritan do? He, 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 he saves his life at his own cost. He pays the cost for this guy to live. Isn't that Jesus? Isn't it Jesus that, that helps us when everybody else has abandoned us? Isn't it Jesus that saved us when we were left half dead? Isn't it Jesus that came down and he came down to where I am so that he could lift me up to where he is? Isn't this Jesus? Isn't this Jesus that carries us on his horse? Is there anybody here that's being carried by the Lord? Amen. Have you ever been carried by Jesus? Amen. Isn't this Jesus that's carrying him? Isn't this Jesus that, 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 that pays out of his own blood, out of his own cost to save his life? Compassion is a picture of Jesus. This good Samaritan, he's reflecting Jesus. Now that Jewish man, he might only see the good Samaritan. And when you go out and help, somebody might just say, oh, oh, that's a good Christian. Oh, thank you. You're such a good Samaritan. But somebody might see beyond the action and see the Jesus that you are reflecting. Amen. Because compassion is a picture of Jesus. And you know what this world needs? They need Jesus. They need to see Jesus over their brokenness and their hurting. And I'm praying that they would see you, <laughs> they would see Jesus in you. Amen? And somehow see beyond that food that you give, that little money that you give, that little time that you give, and perhaps God would open their mind and say, hey, do you see me in this good Samaritan? Amen? So compassion must be coupled with justice. Compassion engages our prejudice. Compassion must lead to action. And compassion is going to cost us. But if it costs you more than you expected, listen to me. Charge it to Jesus. Amen? Amen? Let us stand up. Now in our church, ha, I got 20 seconds. Thank you so much for that. <laughs> now in Bromfontein, we are, a, we are a church that loves to pray. So just for a few seconds, I just want us to pray. Just two quick prayers. One, I want you to pray, Lord, move me. If my heart is too hard, if, if you're not seeing anything in the city, you've closed your eyes. You, you, you've justified yourself that I don't have to get involved in that stuff. If you're not seeing the wreck that's happening, you've closed your eyes. I want to ask you, can you pray, God, give me compassion. Open my heart. Let me see again. I know it's going to cost you, but God, would you open my heart? 
and then we'll do our second prayer and we'll be done. Let's pray for a second. Father, we just thank you right now, dear God, as we are here and we're asking you, dear Lord, Father, if we've closed our heart to issues, if we've closed our heart to people, if we've closed our heart to the situations in people's lives, God, I pray this morning, open our hearts today, dear God. Help us to see the homeless person at the corner. Help us to see the abortion that's happening in the city. Help us to see the suicide rates that are happening. Help us to see the families and, and the grandmas that are struggling, dear God. Help us to see the people that are tra being trafficked right down our streets, dear God. Help us to see it, dear God. Open our eyes, my Father, that we don't walk by on the other side. Father, next time we're trying to walk by on the other side, would you arrest us? Would you stop us? Would you remind us of this story? Just so, if just so we can just wait a little while, stop for a little while and see the brokenness that people are in. Father, I pray, open the hearts of our people that we would go and serve and the world would see Jesus through our actions, dear God. Father, we pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen? Amen. Second and last thing I want you to pray, the thing that you see, I want you to pray about that issue. I want you to pray, God, is there anything I can do? And more than what you can do, I want you to pray, God, change that situation. Do something in that situation. Amen? Let us pray. Thank you, Father. Father, in the name of Jesus, I want to ask you right now, dear God, Father, the poverty in our city, do something, my Lord. Father, the corruption in our city, do something, my Lord. Father, the stuff that the crime rate in our city, do something, my Lord. Father, the abuse in my city, do something, my God. Father, the things that are happening all across the city, Father, I ask you right now, the issues that are bubbling in this church, the, the, the various issues, the stuff in there, in their workplaces, their stuff in their in the township, their stuff back home where we are coming from, all of that stuff. Father, we ask you, would you do something? And if if by any way, Father, would you do something with us as we go forward to be compassionate as you were compassionate and hopefully see somebody being helped by our actions. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And everybody said... Amen. Amen, 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 amen. Amen. Thank you, Julius. Let's give Julius a hand. Powerful.